If all goes according to plans, Zhao, Zhao, Zhao could, oh my God, <laughs> Zhao's name with an S word right after it or an SH word. Oh my God, Zhao should. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Avatar the Podcast. We are your hosts, Acorn Bandit and Booster Greg. Hello, I'm back again forever. This, this is just going to be our thing now. The like, it's I'm like here old forever. Hat now. <laughs> it's just it's just natural Hello, to I'm me. I'm Greg. You're stuck with me. You're stuck with me. I'm sorry, <laughs> but also not. So, hi. <laughs> this episode, we will be talking about Winter Solstice Part Two, Avatar Roku, or as we like to call it. Roku phones a friend. Dun, dun, dun. Ba, ba, bum. That was my attempt at a who wants to be a millionaire sound effect. <laughs> it was great, right? Uh, it was so great. I thought it was something else completely. <laughs> Before we dive into the episode, we want to do a quick shout out to Shay, who wrote to us on our email. Shay said, I'm so happy I found your podcast in its early stages. This means I have to be patient each week, which, like Zuko, or Zuzu, is not my strong suit. I listen to quite a few podcasts before I found yours, and they usually are more opinion and less detail. I love how you guys have formatted the show and just wanted to reach out and say you guys are doing an amazing job. I love your wit, knowledge, and perspectives. And then Shay also gives their top five list of characters, starting with Zuko, followed by Iroh, and then Toph, Suki, and Boomy. Uh, I will point out that uh, there is a name that is missing from that list. Thank you. Uh, Shay, I appreciate you writing out, but um, where's Sokka, my friend? <laughs> That's at least top five. You know, now that you mention it, I, I realize that Katara is missing. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> Shay. I mean, this is, I mean, I will say this, though. Iroh is in there so iroh is number two I, so it, it's a tough decision like zuko is amazing but like iroh i don't know and and boomy is in the list boomy is also one i i i've learned now just reading this email that i love all of the old men in this pretty much <laughs> is, is they're my characters i am now one of you old man avatar characters iroh boomy i relate to you the most all of our joking aside, thank you so much, Shay, for writing in. Thank you. And also, there is nothing wrong with your top five list. No, there's All nothing of the wrong. characters are amazing. Yes. So your list is completely valid. Yes. Mine's just different, and that's okay. Again, thank you, Shay, for writing that wonderful email to us. We super appreciate that. And again, listener, if you want your message read on the podcast, you can email us directly at avatarthepodcast.com at gmail.com or you can leave a five-star review and and leave a little written message in there we will read that on the show as well or tweet at us yes at podcast avatar all right let's jump right into the episode yes winter solstice part two was written by michael dante DiMartino and directed by giancarlo volpe yeah as a reminder where we left off Aang had just restored Heibai's original form as a panda, and all of the villagers that Heibai had taken to the spirit world were returned. Now, in the dead of night, before the winter solstice, Aang prepares to leave the Earth Kingdom village Senlin with Appa. He has one day to get to the Fire Sage's temple on Crescent Island, and because it's in the Fire Nation, he doesn't want to put his friends in danger. He is going alone. Well, he would if Appa would cooperate. The big sky bison refuses to budge and Aang pleads with him to get his big butt off the ground. I think his big butt is trying to tell you something, says Sokka. He, Katara, and the villagers have come outside. Katara pleads with Aang to not go alone and put himself in danger. And Aang insists that he has to find out what his vision means before the end of the solstice. Katara and Sokka tell him there is no way they're going to let him go without his friends. This seems to be what Appa wanted all along because he gives Sokka a big wet lick. Aw, poor Sokka. In my head canon, Sokka yeah. gets either snot or saliva on him every day from Appa. He, he must at least. Or or maybe 
it's like a combination of all that. And then he goes on Appa's back and then he gets like his fur on him. So now it's just like stuck. <laughs> yes. Terrible. Oh, Sokka. But yeah, like that's 100%. Like Appa's like, I'm not leaving our friends behind. Like that's, I just got you all back. I'm not going to get separated from you guys again. Yes. Yeah. The village leader gives them provisions for their journey and tells them to fly fast. It doesn't take long after they leave for Zuko to show up. He confronts the village leader and demands that he tell him where the Avatar went. So something I noticed here, Greg, did you see that Uncle Iroh is sitting on a Komodo rhino, but he's naked still? Oh, I didn't even see that. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Now that you bring it up, I'm not surprised that he's still not wearing clothes. Although I was kind of hoping he would be. Although it's like, what, like an hour later, maybe? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Um, Also, also, I wanted to tell you this really quickly. Uh, I should brought up at the beginning. I apologize. There's a goof that happens between uh, part one and part two. Oh, really? At the end of part one, the camera pans up and it's a crescent moon. (gasps) It's a full moon in your episode. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's kind of a big goof. It's so funny. It's like, ultimately, it doesn't really matter because like it doesn't have like a distinction. They don't draw too, too much attention to it. But if you're paying attention, yeah. the moon goes from a crescent to a full in like an in hour like a couple or two. Hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's ridiculous. But yeah, that's what I wanted to bring Something up. Something fell through the cracks in production. Mm-hmm. Later in the day, as Appa flies through a sea of clouds, Katara spots Zuko's ship gaining on them in the water below. On the ship's deck, Ira warns Zuko of the foolishness of sailing into Fire Nation waters. Has Zuko forgotten that the Fire Lord banished him? Father will understand, Zuko replies, once he sees he's chasing the Avatar. You give him too much credit. My brother is not the understanding type. It's true. He's not. Something to note here is um, Zuko's probably, I don't know, like an hour behind them or something. But his ship is actually gaining on Appa. Mm-hmm. In the sky, Very which quickly. is pretty impressive because as we've established, his uh, his ship is kind of outdated. Mm-hmm. It's not the greatest ship in the Fire Nation fleet. Um, I did actually confirm that the Fire Lord intentionally gave Zuko what Brian and Mike describe as an old clunker from the early days of the Fire Nation's war. Mm. Makes sense. So this ship has seen better days and yet it is still gaining on Team Avatar. Mm. Some might say the ship has sailed on Ozai's understanding for Zuko. Oh my god. <laughs> That's good. As the ship gains on them, the soldiers prepare a trebuchet with a stinky tar and pitch style projectile. Iroh fans his face and complains about why they couldn't have used something more fragrant. Zuko lights the ball on fire and the soldiers launch it into the air. Katara calls it out and Aang steers Appa away from the ball's arc. As it passes, though, it releases a stinky cloud of smoke around them that make all three characters cover their noses and wish they could fly faster. They would, Aang says, but there's one problem. A blockade. In my head canon, that is 100% old poop rags that they throw and light on fire. <laughs> old poop rags. Old poop rags. It's the only, like, I was, every time I watched it, I was like, there's no way that that is not that. Like it's like it's something that they are okay with throwing away and probably want to. Yeah. And I noticed easily flammable. And they, I know they were putting oil on it and stuff. I saw that in the background, but still. Yeah. Yeah. From the texture, I immediately imagined like tar, pitch, oil, something to um give it like a an igniter, like a starter fuel yeah, for yeah. it to burn. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Poop rags <laughs> it's are, all poop you know, rags. wrapped onto this rock. <laughs> A double line of Fire Nation ships control the water ahead. Both Zuko and Aang strategize how to get around the ship safely. Tensions arise when Aang tells Katara and Sokka that this is exactly why he didn't want them to come. It's too dangerous. This is exactly why we're here, Katara replies. They decide to run the blockade and Aang urges Appa forward. Below on the ship, Iroh implores Zuko to not follow the Avatar. If Zuko is captured, there is nothing Iroh can do to save him. Zuko, watching the Avatar slip through his fingers once again, can't listen to reason. He apologizes to his uncle and orders the helmsman to run the blockade. 
In the distance, Zhao stands on the deck of his ship and peers through a spyglass at his payday. The banished prince and the avatar barreling towards him. He orders the soldiers to use the ship's trebuchets to shoot the bison down. When the soldier remarks that there's a fire navy ship in range and could get hit, Zhao says it doesn't matter. The ship belongs to a traitor. How how is it that Zhao is here? He's everywhere. Like, Zhao is everywhere and everywhere is Zhao. That's just what I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, in my head, Zhao's a commander now, right? Yeah. Do you think it's plausible that a commander would be ordered to um to lead a blockade? Is that like a commander's role or task? It, he could be being punished right now for I felt like it was kind of below him or beneath him. Well, that's what I mean is is I think that maybe um he's either punishing himself or he's getting punished by uh, the fire lord because he went up against Zuko and lost. Ooh, good point. So he's like kind of disgraced, but not quite at that exile point yet. Yeah, it's like a probation. Yeah, like, exactly. Like You screwed up, so now you're in charge of the blockade. You get to sit out in the water and do nothing. Yeah, it's either here or Omashu. I'll let you pick. <laughs> not Omashu. <laughs> not, well, uh, I can't remember that village name. Um, uh, we, There wasn't a village name. It was yeah. uh, Haru's village. Yeah, it's either here or with Haru over there. You pick. And he's like, <laughs> fine, I'll do the blockade. Yeah. A moment later, the sky is filled with giant fireballs. The entire blockade releases them into the air. Appa weaves through the danger as best he can while Zuko and Iroh look to the sky in the danger hurtling towards them. Some of the fireballs explode against each other in the air, sending flaming debris that set patches of Appa's fur on fire. Sokka, Katara, and Momo pat them out. Below, some of the fireballs collide with Zuko's ship. It doesn't take long for a crew member to tell him the engines took damage. They should stop and make repairs. Do not stop this ship, replies a determined Zuko. It's really interesting that um, Zuko, in the last episode, when he didn't have his uncle with him, his determination wavered. Um, and now that he, like the only person that is a, a distraction for Zuko is his uncle at this point. And now that he's right behind him, he's he's just like full steam ahead. Like, I don't care. Let's go for it. Yeah. His yeah. like his like partner in crime or security blanket or however you want to label Uncle Iroh. He's there. Yep. He's there. So it's let's it's full steam ahead. Let's catch this avatar. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually it's to his detriment because in this episode, he he seems to like put blinders on and he's so focused. He will not listen to reason. He will not back down. It's like, no, this is my moment. Yeah. Yeah. He's all of his strategy just goes right out the window. He's just like, I just got to get this guy right now. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. A fresh wave of fireballs cause Appa to swerve wildly and Sokka flies out of the saddle into a free fall. They dive after him and pull him to safety just before he hits the water. The resulting splash causes a fish to fly into the air and slap Sokka in the face. Momo catches it, though, before it can fall back into the water. Yeah, that was a really cool like little scene, too, with Sokka just like plummeting seemingly to his death. And they just get him right in the like, I love those like flying scenes when they get him right in the nick of time. Yeah, he was great maneuvering, too. It was almost like they were falling with him, but just below. Yep. So Katara could reach up and grab his hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was having Spider-Man flashbacks. Which I'm talking <laughs> specifically about the comic where Spider-Man actually catches Gwen Stacy, but because he caught her in a weird way, her neck snaps. Like that's oh, the tragedy behind that. Gwen Stacy. Yeah. So that happened in the comics, right? Um, and then in the movies they kind of show it and stuff like that. But like I always worry about that when someone falling where it's just like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, just catch him right. Just please catch him right. And I know he's gonna catch him right because it's Avatar Last Airbender where I'm book one of three, but like so I was <laughs> yeah. like, please, and they do. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, to your point, their maneuvering works within yep. like the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. So they were free falling with him, like Oppo is flying down. So they were almost like um, falling in tandem, which allows Katara to pull him in and yes. to safety. Yes. Yeah. Also, when Momo catches the fish in my head cannon, if Sokka and Momo were ever lost in the wilderness. <laughs> They would have no problem whatsoever being able to survive because yep. between the two of them, they would always find enough food. But would they survive? Because they would always be fighting over that food, I feel like. They would, but I feel like collectively they would find enough. Like in that moment, 
a fish slaps Sokka's face, which allows Momo to catch it. And then in in the Southern Air Temple episode, Momo brings him like, oh, you're right, like yep. fruit and stuff that he found. Yep. Momo's a good scavenger. Yeah, they both are. They complement each other in their scavenging well, abilities. I mean, I would say Momo is the better scavenger because well, Sokka's great at scavenging nuts, and that's about it. So he far sets that we've seen. Momo up for better scavenging. That's true. Okay, fair. Also, Sokka has a tendency of never backing down when he's hungry because all he can think about is food and meat. That so is true. That drive and determination would make sure that they survive. You are 100% right. Aang continues to guide Appa across the water towards the blockade. When a fireball is launched at them from Zhao's ship, he leaps into the air and breaks it apart with airbending. They make it past safely, leaving Zuko chugging along behind. It becomes clear to Ira that they are on a collision course with the blockade, but Zuko believes they can make it. At the last moment, Zhao orders the crew to cut the engines. He and Zuko lock eyes as Zuko's ship sails past. Mm-hmm. They don't drag any attention to it, but Iroh is definitely on to Zhao. 100%. Yes. He was like staring off and like tugging at his beard and thought, yeah. going like, what just happened he's just here? Like, Why? Yeah. He's like, this can't be good for anyone. Yeah. Team Avatar spends the rest of the day flying across the open water. As the sun is sinking towards the horizon, they see it. Crescent Island in the Fire Sage Temple. After finding shelter in the volcanic rock for Appa to rest, a refreshed team avatar makes their way to the temple. There's a, for me, there's a different animation style between part one and part two. Like part one seemed to have softer lines and like softer hues, whereas this is very sharp or at least sharper. Like the outlines seem more uh, pronounced to me. Yeah. You know, there's also a difference in color tone because mm-hmm. part one was very much cool colors like blues yeah. and greens. And then part two is obviously like reds because we're going yeah. into the Fire Nation. But yeah, you're right. I feel like there was a very subtle difference. And I wonder if that's because of the animation studio. Um, I was reading that in book one, they used a Korean studio. I think it's called Tin House. And a lot of the first couple episodes of book one were these new teams coming together and working together to get the the right image and feel and all of these things gel together to create the show. And it makes me wonder if there were different animation teams that it, it like, could have been, took yeah. shifts or something. Yeah, because even in like some anime in the same episodes, there's different animation studios working on just different scenes. So it just kind of depends. That's why like in Naruto, for example, you'll have like a really like fluid looking fight and the next one it'll be a lot sharper looking but it won't be as fluid looking it's just different studios have different um different like strengths and weaknesses but i did like find that very interesting that like the first like the opening scene for part one was like kind of silly and they're all very like soft and all of that like all the tones and then this is just a lot sharper which i think even if it's just like a happenstance lends itself more to like the fire nation Mm -hmm. so I think it worked. Very soon after this, we see them walking up to the temple. And what I thought was really cool is the temple's pagoda design draws inspiration from the Yellow Crane Tower, which is a traditional Chinese tower located in Wuhan, China. Brian and Mike were inspired by the curling flame-like rooftop corners and felt they were a perfect motif for the Fire Nation architecture. I agree. I concur with that statement. (laughs) Yes, yes, quite. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> architecture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they don't see any guards, Katara muses that maybe the Fire Nation abandoned the temple after Avatar Roku died. They hurry into the temple and start navigating the winding corridors. It doesn't take long for them to be discovered by the Fire Sages, who announce themselves as guardians of the Temple of the Avatar. Eng says, great, I am the Avatar. We know, they reply, and attack. <laughs> so good. Something to note here is the Fire Temple is considered an Avatar Temple or a shrine built in honor of the Avatar. Um, All of the original nations had at least one of these Avatar Temples, but some nations only permit their highest level authority access to the temple. Um, Like, for example, the Avatar Temple of the Air Nomads was open exclusively to the Elder Monks, and only the Fire Sages reside in this Fire Temple on Crescent Island. Yeah. 
Aang, Sokka, and Katara flee through the temple and are eventually approached by a fire sage who introduces himself as a friend. Firebenders aren't our friends, says Sokka. The fire sage gets on his hands and knees before Aang and tells him he can take Aang to Avatar Roku. He opens a secret door in the wall and they descend into a passageway formed out of volcanic rock. Mm. I think I think it's super interesting that um, Sokka has grown quite a bit since we first met him back in the first episode, but he still can't get over just like not stereotyping, but just like the fact that he views all firebenders as enemies like he can he can get over like or he can come to the realization that like a woman is also a warrior is also a person like he got to that very like quickly and and great but like he's still like all firebenders are evil period yeah and that like it's not the case as we know with the fire sage and we also know that because the previous avatar wasn't that way either so it's like Within Sokka's lifespan, all he knows is fire is bad, mm-hmm. which is very interesting that he can't like come to a different realization yet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think that's one of the cool aspects of his character is throughout the story, he we follow him working through his prejudices. Yeah. And that's very gratifying, too, as a viewer to go yes. from watching someone just like blindly dislike person or a group to seeing the value in that group it's like wow what a great setup for a great lesson yeah also that fire activated passage so cool <laughs> so cool amazing <laughs> were you one of those kids who wished you had secret passages in your house uh i'm still one of those people that wish i had secret pa- passages <laughs> in my house i'll have you know okay same <laughs> On his ship, Zuko is now also suspicious. He asks his uncle why Zhao didn't arrest him. Because he wants to follow you to the Avatar, is Iroh's reply. This is where Zuko hatches a plan. As they walk through the underground passageways, Shayu tells them more about himself and his family, and how Avatar Roku once called this temple his home. It was Roku who formed these passages out of magma. Shayu recounts how a few weeks ago the eyes of the statue of Avatar Roku began to glow. This is how they knew Aang was coming. Aang asks why the sages in an Avatar temple would attack him. Things have changed, says Shayu. When the next Avatar never returned, they lost hope and followed the Fire Lord. I thought that was super interesting how they they once pledged themselves to the Avatar and then when he didn't show up, they got corrupted in that way. Mm-hmm. I learned that the Fire Sages are not just located on Crescent Island. They're also in the Fire Nation capital. They're known for conducting coronations, weddings, funerals, mm-hmm. and all the stuff the royal family wants from them. Um, but their primary responsibility is identifying the Avatar's incarnation when he or she is born in the Fire Nation. And so that's what makes this really interesting with Shayu because Shayu is the last of a proud lineage of fire sages who remained loyal to the Avatar, even after Fire Lord Ozai set that decree stating that anyone who aided the Avatar would be branded a traitor by the Fire Nation. Mm. Shayu guides them up a flight of stairs and preps Aang on what to do when they enter the sanctuary. But when they emerge from the hidden passageway, they find the sanctuary doors are closed. Unlike the door in the Air Temple Sanctuary, which requires one bender, this door requires five, or a fully realized avatar. When Sokka hears that the doors require five simultaneous fire blasts, he has an idea. This door, when I saw it, first saw it, I immediately thought of the door uh, that we saw, was it episode three at the Southern Air Temple? Yes. Where Aang could very easily, because he was a master of airbending, he could open that up. It was two locks, it looked like, though. Yep. This is five. So I was kind of like, how is he going to, how are they going to do that? Like, I, w- I was like, immediately before Sokka could present his plan, I was like, well, if you get a flame and you funnel it through air, but not <laughs> enough to burn it, maybe you can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. That would be very innovative if, yeah. like, Shayu bended a whole bunch of fire and then Aang funneled it into each of those openings with his airbending. I wonder if that's even possible. If like, if that's I a wonder. Thing. Yeah. I feel like it may be difficult because we saw in the episode imprisoned, he was able to create an air funnel, but it was only one and it yeah. took like his 
all of his arms in order to keep that funnel going. Yeah, but like, so the Flash, like, so in Justice League, which was, I think, I'm pretty sure it was before this, and in the comics, mm-hmm. it was definitely before this. The Flash is able to do wind tunnels one per arm by moving them really fast, like, like in a circular motion. Mm. It, I mean, it's possible in fiction. I don't know why it's not possible in this fictional <laughs> world. Yeah, maybe it's because Sokka needed his moment. You know, he's the idea guy. Also, don't you love the little light bulb moment with that lantern? I, it's so funny. I was just, <laughs> he's like, I have an idea. And it's like, ah, I see what you did there. So good. Yep. Well done. Well played. Meanwhile, on his ship, Zuko tells his uncle to continue sailing north. Zuko will escape on a smaller vessel into the smoke cover created by the damaged engines. If all goes according to plan, Zhao should continue to follow the main ship while Zuko can get away. Sokka's idea is something he learned from his father. He seals lamp oil inside of an animal skin casing to create a kind of oil bomb. He places each of these sacks into the five mouths on the door and Shayu lights the oil-soaked twine. The bombs go off in perfect unison, but the door remains closed. It didn't work. However, all is not lost because Katara has a brilliant idea to compliment her brothers. The doors have scorch marks from the bombs, which means they can pretend that the plan did work. I like how um, Katara goes, no, wait, Sokka's a genius. And Aang's like, I feel like we have different definitions of <laughs> genius. So like, yes. In actuality, it's Katara's plan, but she credits it to her brother. Yeah. Which which I found kind of cool. That is cool. That's a very yeah. Katara thing to do. Yeah. Like, no, actually, Sokka's a genius. He set us up for success, and here's why. And then Sokka's probably just like, yeah, I meant to do that. <laughs> that was totally what I was going for. Totally, 100% what I wanted to do. You're welcome, team. After they all hide, Shayu calls the other fire sages to the door, saying that the Avatar has gotten inside. Tricked into believing this, the fire sages use their combined firebending to open the door. The great mechanism unlocks the door and opens it to reveal Momo. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Right? Well, you know, Momo was once an earthbender. Why couldn't he be an Avatar too? I know. Momo is a lemur of many talents. The Fire Sages realize they have been tricked, but don't have enough time to react before Team Avatar restrains them. Shayu calls for Aang to take the opportunity, but Aang is nowhere to be found. And then, he emerges from behind a pillar, but is being restrained by Zuko. The Fire Sages turn the tables and capture Team Avatar. As they chain Sokka and Katara to a pole, Zuko leads Aang away. This is like very reminiscent of the first time he had... Ang in his grasp. Oh yeah, in the Southern Pole, South Pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he like literally like, I think the difference was in 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 his mentality was the first time he caught the Avatar, quote unquote, caught the Avatar. It wasn't him. It wasn't Zuko himself bringing Ang to a cell. It was his like yeah. minions or whatever you want to call them. And then in here, he's like, all right, I learned my lesson. I have him in my grasp. There's no way I'm gonna lose. This dang avatar again. <laughs> so I, I, I saw but, the parallels, but. <laughs> but Hang is able to get out of Zuko's grasp and does a series of crazy acrobatic moves to dive through the closing door of the sanctuary. He makes it. It takes a few anxious moments, however, for the light streaming in from the ruby on the sanctuary wall to reach the face of Avatar Roku's statue. But it finally does. The room fills with smoke, then clears to reveal a spirit landscape and Avatar Roku himself. After 100 years, Aang is finally meeting his former self. Which again, for me is like, I still can't get over the fact that like, Aang is Roku and Roku is Aang. Like, I was I hoping you were going to bring this up. Of course I'm going to bring it. It's like literally my brain is like mashing against the wall we're like trying to like make this connection where they're the same person yeah because again for me your experiences make up who you are and ang has had different experiences like i understand that roku is tucked away inside of ang's like i don't know soul i guess but it's just so like it's so foreign for me I don't know if this will help at all, but I did find out early on in production, Mike and Brian referred to Aang as the keystone being because he was supposed to be the key to restoring balance in the world. 
Um, and then in their research, they came across the Hindu word avatar, which means the manifestation of a deity in human form or a various phase or version of a continuing entity. So that's kind of how the reincarnation came into play, how it's one entity, but it has various versions or phases. And that's where the different like identities come from. I don't think so. I just had this kind of like this switch flick for me. So okay. it's very similar in the regard that you're saying to the Phoenix power from the X-Men comics way yeah, back. And go. like the cartoon did it in like the mid to late nineties and, or probably early nineties. And then, you know, the comics did it before that, but it's, I don't think they're the same person. Yeah. I think you're onto it because I think that is the intention. Like the line of avatars are the bridge between the physical and spiritual worlds. So that means Ultimately, they do reside in the spirit world. And so the current avatar can access them almost like like a download or something. And so you access it to get information and context, advice, whatever, to learn, to get help. But then you are a living person. You're a physical form. You were born from parents. You have a life. You have your own consciousness and you live out your life, but you have access to this thing Yeah. whenever you need it. Yeah. All interesting. Yeah. It's just interesting, like how you have this like huge idea. Aang is not the avatar. The avatar is a being that flows through all of the avatars and is what they have in common. Yeah. It's like a manifestation, a spirit, an entity or something. And it links all these people together and imbues them with power. Yes. It's what you said, but less eloquently. (laughs) We got there. We got there. (laughs) In the end. I found out something cool about the fire temple. Yes. It was built on Crescent Island so that it aligned with the solstices and equinoxes. Um, the way it's situated actually allows the, the sanctuary to focus the power of the sun's rays during the solstices and equinoxes, which is why that ruby on the wall um, plays a part in channeling the, the light into the chamber hmm. so that it falls on Roku's statue. Interesting. Yeah, it's like the power of light. Through the darkness and the darkest of times, the power of light. (laughs) Yes. While Aang is meeting with Roku in the sanctuary, Shayu pledges loyalty to the original duty of the fire sages. While he is talking, Zhao arrives. He announces his presence with his sarcastic clapping for Shayu's heartfelt and moving performance of betrayal that I'm sure the Fire Lord will understand. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Zhao is delighted to have two traitors in front of him. This really is his lucky day. Zuko, defiant as ever, tells Zhao he's too late. The avatar is in the sanctuary and the doors are sealed. No matter, says Zhao. He has to come out sometime. I like that. That's a very Jedi philosophy I found. So like when you think about like Duel of the Fates and you have Qui-Gon versus Maul. Yeah. And Maul is always pacing around, always moving. And Qui-Gon is like, it's fine. The door will open. We just meditate and we wait it out. I'm very, I'm actually very surprised that Zhao has that kind of mentality of like, it's fine. He's got to come out. We can wait him out. Like we can bring water and supplies in and out here all we want. He's stuck in there with nothing. Yeah, me too. That was very yeah. surprising. And that's like, I mean, I think that makes him an even scarier character yes. because he's so controlled. Like we're so used to seeing villains who are kind of off their rock or a little bit unhinged. They mm-hmm. have something they're trying to accomplish, but it's usually in like a chaotic way. But Zhao was very contained and very controlled. So yes, it's very Jedi-like in that way. What a weird parallel to make, but I totally I agree with you. He's like, it's okay. We can wait. Zhao the Jedi. So weird. Inside the sanctuary, Avatar Roku tells Aang the information that will alter the course of Aang's quest. 100 years ago, Fire Lord Sozin harnessed the power of the Great Comet to deal a deadly strike against the other nations and begin the Hundred Year War. By the end of this summer, the comet will return and provide Fire Lord Ozai, Sozin's son, the power he needs to finish the war. If the world is to survive, Aang must defeat the Fire Lord before the comet arrives before summer's end what a moment ang's immediate response Mm -hmm. right is like uh i only know airbending you know that right (laughs) 
You have to I, go to the worst summer camp in the world and master everything to have ever happened with <laughs> bending and spirit world stuff. Go. In like a couple months. Yeah, like summer camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, so it's one of the things like where I forgot how small of a time span this series takes place in. Yeah, me too. That's ridiculous. It is. It's like huge pressure because it's like, yeah. oh yeah. And if you don't do it in time, then Sozin's Comet will give the Fire Nation enough power to burn the world to the ground and forever throw the world out of balance. Um. Anyway, have fun at camp. <laughs> don't forget to write. Yeah. Use sunscreen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. Um. But this is also where I, I thought it was really sweet that Roku told Aang, like, I know you can do it, Aang, for you have done it before. Yeah. This is where I really adore the element of reincarnation in the story and just how you're never truly alone for their history and experiences live inside you. Yeah. Something that I want to bring up really quickly, too. Like, this is more of a modern kind of realization, but I think it's kind of funny that, like, so Aang goes into this, like, little chamber to talk to um, Roku and no one else can kind of come in. And it kind of reminded me of, like, Zoom calls right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, especially with like the new security updates. He's like, all right, well, let's, let's have like a video chat. And then he, he lets Aang in. And then Zuko's like, no, I want to get it. And like throws a temper tantrum and it's like throwing fire at the wall, essentially. And it's just like, request, 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 request. And, and, and he's just like, Roku's just like, deny, deny, <laughs> deny. I love that. It kind of made me think of that. Yeah. The sanctuary is a Zoom call and only Aang gets yep. let in. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> that makes Momo a hacker. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> oh he would be he's in there that slippery lemur <laughs> outside the sanctuary Zhao and his fire nation soldiers form a line in front of the doors Zhao says when those doors open unleash all of your firepower there is no one outside the sanctuary who can help Aang now Katara, Sokka and Shayu are chained to a pole Katara wonders how Aang is going to make it out of this how are any of them going to make it out of this? Inside the sanctuary, Roku reassures Aang that even though the solstice is ending, he is a part of Aang. When Aang needs to talk to him again, he will find a way. Then Roku says, A great danger awaits you at the temple. I can help you face the threat if you are ready. Aang's arrow and eyes begin to glow. I'm ready, he says. Okay, this. Aang saying, I'm ready. Freaking chills. Yeah. Avatar Roku's manifested spirit appearing through the inferno. This is everything I want in a story. There's no way out for our heroes. Everything seems lost. And then the doors open and the smoke and light clear. And it's not Aang going up against this group Mm-mm. of firebenders. It's freaking Avatar Roku, a fully realized avatar who can single handedly bend the fire of nine firebenders back on them. Like, holy crap. Yeah. They tease you with it, too, because all you see is is the glowing eyes. And they're like, Aang, no. And it's like, oh, that's not Aang. Oh, Oh, that's not Aang. And like what the fire sages must be thinking at that point. Right. Where they're like, because right right now, like most of them, except for Shayu, are just like, you know, we're in the right. We're doing what the Fire Lord wants. This is our job. And Shayu is probably the only one that actually knows the truth about what they're supposed to be doing. Or maybe like these guys have lied to themselves throughout all these years and be like, all right, this is our new job. And then the avatar that like they used to serve. Yeah, they they used to serve shows up and it's just like, you're all terrible. You're the worst. You're the absolute worst. Like what must be going through their minds? Yeah, Um, we done messed up. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's like dad coming home and catching you in the middle of something you're not supposed to be doing and just going, oh, no. Yeah. So bad. Oh, man. Yeah, Avatar Roku turns his wrath on the Fire Sages who have desecrated the temple. The temple shudders and Roku splits the temple floor open. He bends the magma from deep within the island to the surface. He exhales and brings his hands to rest, his work complete. The sages and soldiers flee as the magma begins consuming the temple. Inside the sanctuary, the ruby light slides off of Avatar Roku's statue, signaling the end of the winter solstice. Avatar Roku's form fades, revealing an exhausted Aang. Katara and Sokka rush to his side and help him. Like, that whole sequence. So oh good. my gosh. Yeah. So good. Yeah, all the animation budget goes into that scene. And it was, it <laughs> yeah, was worth it. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Also, can we talk about Roku's magma bending for a second here? Oh man, yes. 
so cool. Like they, they mention it, right? And you're like, we're never going to see that. This guy's been dead 100 years. Yeah. And then we see it. <laughs> yeah. Specifically when Shayu leads them through that, um, that secret passageway and they go yeah. into the magma tunnels, like just the scope of it, it's huge. And so oh, yeah. you see all of this textured material making up these passageways and you can imagine what it could have looked like if someone like Roku was bending them into passageways. But then we actually get to see him bending magma and it's like yes. even better than you can imagine. So cool. I always wondered what lava is made out of. Like in terms of like how that works with fire bending. Yeah. So, oh, interesting. I mean, it's what? So after a quick Google search, lava is made up of crystals, volcanic glass and bubbles. So like some gases. Ooh. So like I'm wondering if only the avatar can bend lava because technically it, I think it would be a combination of fire bending and earth bending. That's a good theory. I wonder, because without knowing what, what lava is composed of, you would think, well, it's so hot, it catches fire. Right. It makes things catch fire. So maybe the heat element is what you're bending, and the heat or the fire is attached to the other substances. Yeah. Well, I know like there is like minerals and stuff in, in lava, and that's like kind of earth bending department. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if you could be an earthbender and also bend lava and not need fire as well. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Food for thought. I feel like there's a way. There must be. There's a way to be a little tricky yeah. with it. Um. So I do have some fun facts here. Yep. This particular temple has a really rough track record with Avatar Roku and winter solstices. Really? Really. Back when he was still training to be the Avatar, Roku spent a couple months on the island in special training with a Fire Sage to master the Avatar state. But he grew too impatient and triggered the Avatar state by using the Winter Solstice Sun and ended up destroying the upper half of the temple as a result. Oh, no. Yes. He did rebuild it. He eventually mastered the Avatar state. And after Roku's death, the temple was rededicated to him. But now the lava never stopped flowing and the island became uninhabited. Hmm. I feel like all Fire Nation, except for Zhao, are fairly... Actually, that's not true. That's not true. I was going to say, Roku and Zuko are very impatient. And I was like, oh, that just must be a trait of the Fire Nation. But then I think of like Iroh, who just like chills in a hot spring. And Zhao, who's just like, no, we'll just wait for them to come out. Then we'll get them. And that's, that's the thing. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. But... I do like that detail because it shows that even the avatar, yeah. even he was impatient once, you know, he was human. He had hubris. You also have to figure he wasn't, he was probably 16 when he was learning to master the avatar state, maybe yeah. 18. Like he probably, I mean, figure it takes a couple years. Like, I don't think he was like an old, he was an old man Roku, like trying to master the avatar yeah, of state. Course. He was probably a teenager, 20s. Yeah. Something like At that. The yeah. Most. yeah. 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 So I just thought it was a really funny detail that Avatar Roku destroyed this specific temple two times, mm -hmm. both times during a winter solstice. <laughs> that Roku just can't help himself. Aang, Katara, and Sokka flee the temple and jump onto Appa from the temple roof. They fly away as Zhao angrily exclaims that instead of having both Zuko and the Avatar, he has five new traitors. One of the fire sages tells him it was only Shayu who helped the Avatar. As far as I'm concerned, you are all guilty, Zhao says. Guilty by association. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that there is some background and some character history for Shayu because we, we're going to see him again in the future um, yeah. in the comics, actually. But Shayu's grandfather, Kaja, was Avatar Roku's master during his Avatar training and Shayu's father was executed for being an outspoken critic of the Fire Lord's ambitions. So Shayu was taken in and raised by the Fire Sages, but always remained loyal to the Avatar, despite everything. That hits hard. Yeah, that's like, right? That's a crazy backstory. And also, like, with current events and stuff, that really hits hard. Yeah. His family, for generations, standing up for what they think is right, even while they are actively persecuted. Yeah, definitely hits hard. Crazy. See, 
following the Fire Lord and not seeing to your Avatar duties does not pay off. That's some karma right there. Nope, never does. Stop following Ozai. He's the worst. (laughs) He's terrible. Some distance away, Zuko sets sail on the vessel he brought to the island. Peering through a spyglass, he finds Appa. The hunt for the Avatar continues. Bom, bom, bom. And that is our episode. I'll get you next time, Avatar. <laughs> and your stinky bison, too. <laughs> a couple little notes now that we've gotten through the episode. Um, a fun fact is, aside from Roku's spirit, Shayu is Team Avatar's first Fire Nation ally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also, the episode began and ended with a shot of the moon. Though, now that we know from your goof, it was the wrong Well, we moon. don't know how like the moon works in this world. Maybe it just does that. Oh my gosh, that's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> they messed up. It goes from crescent to full. Yeah. It's just, this is fine. There's no, it's all out of order. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the episode began and ended with a, a shot of the moon. And, uh, you know, maybe it means something. Maybe the moon is going to play an important role in this season. Who knows? And then my last little note, um, which I thought was interesting, too, is in the wiki, it actually talks about how Avatar Roku, when he was alive, the previous generations of sages used the sanctuary to communicate with him on the solstice, just like Aang did. So I guess, I don't know, the statue was almost like a telephone straight to Roku. And when activated by the solstice energy, it was able to uh, channel their messages to him. In the flash. I was going to say like astral projection, maybe. Yeah. Even that, because we saw how like quickly Fang and Fang got to the the temple. So I'm wondering if you, it's also just less resistance traveling in the spirit world. Oh, but he was alive. Right. But you could time. still like he could go into a meditative trance. Maybe it is like checking a voicemail where oh, he literally okay. someone leaves a message and then he goes into a trance and then he re- retrieves those messages. Yeah. It didn't say specifically how yeah. they communicated, only that it was done through the sanctuary and then with Avatar Roku's physical body wherever it was right. in the world. So who knows? Maybe he did have to go into a trance in order to receive the messages. Maybe he did astrally project himself to appear yeah. in the sanctuary and he could like see and interact with the sages there. Um, who knows? But yeah, I mean, now that he's dead, only the Avatar is able to communicate yeah. with him in this way. That's really interesting. Although, yeah, because you said during only during the solstice where the spirit world and the physical world, the lines are blurred. So yes. he could probably just be in two places at once, I guess. Physical and yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then anyone could see his his ghost form, essentially, because the lines are so blurred because yeah. we saw <laughs> his Jedi, yeah, his ghost, Jedi form. ghost form. Anyone could see that because the lines are so <laughs> blurred between the two worlds. Ah, that makes sense. That's so cool. All right, time for our MVPs. Yes, I love this part. Who was your MVP, Greg? Uh, my MVP. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that Momo is my MVP for this episode. <laughs> really? Because their whole plan of getting into the chamber would not have been successful if not for Momo walking around or back and forth in that doorway to make it appear like someone was in there. Yeah. And we don't even know how he got in there. The fire sages are like the lemur. He must have gone through the pipes. Yeah, I bet you he did, though. I bet you he fought because the fire has to go somewhere. The exhaust has to be somewhere. So I think he just like crawled through the the pipes and then just like got out on the other side. Yeah. If you want my more serious answer, I think it's Shayu. Yeah. And I don't think it's a secret that I I like the, the characters that like stand up for themselves and they're um, able to, they have like a really good moral compass and are able to distinguish what they feel is right and wrong. And usually that moral compass is very similar to what the viewer perceives and what we perceive. So I, th- I think it was very yeah. brave of Shayu to help the Avatar. And it was very brave of him to, even when all of the other fire sages were around, for him to like stick to his guns and fight with the team rather than against because it would have been very easy for him to turn around and be like ah the avatar get him and then like you know yes. that's it and not join the fight right right what about you yeah i was gonna say shayu too hey. yeah for all those reasons and also especially after i read more about his backstory and how he comes from multiple generations of fire sages who stood up for their beliefs yeah. and 
remain true to the Avatar in serving them. And also just everything he did at the temple. Like you said, he stuck with Team Avatar and he helped them all the way through to the end, even though it meant getting tied up with chains alongside Sokka and Katara. And I mean, actually, at the very end, he was so committed that he was arrested with all the other fire sages. So he is now going to be sent to the Fire Nation capital to go into jail because he helped. And ironically, the other fire sages who did not help are going to be locked away too. But I mean, he went to prison literally for his beliefs and to help the Avatar. Yeah. So if that doesn't say MVP, I don't know what does. I don't know what to tell you. It's either that or Momo. Those are your choices. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. All right. What about moral of the story? Of the episode uh patience is a virtue it's easy <laughs> patience is a virtue because of Zhao. yeah because of Zhao. yeah, yeah. it's Love great it. um yeah i mean that's I, don't, I honestly like when you're really thinking about it it's not a moral heavy episode right it's more it's very actiony which is great and like a lot of Zhao almost or he kind of got what he wanted not really what he wanted but he got something just by being patient he got traitors so he's going to gain more favor with the Fire Lord. Yes. Whereas uh, Zuko was not patient and he just lost everything. Yeah. Good point. Like he literally had his goal in his hands and he lost it. Good comparison. Yeah. So, you know, going with our headcanon, if Zhao was uh, assigned the role of managing the blockade because he didn't mm-hmm. succeed last time with Zuko, you can be sure that when he gets back to the Fire Nation, he's going to get some favor. For bringing a bunch of traitors to the Fire Lord. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think my moral of the episode is probably something like critical thinking saves the day. Oh. Because when you think about it, Team Avatar really had to create the solution to their problem. You know, they couldn't get straight into the sanctuary. They had to think on their feet, be resourceful, innovate. And then when it didn't work, creatively think how they are going to proceed. So mm-hmm. we can also say Sokka is like a backup MVP because he's <laughs> the one who came up with the the oil bomb idea. Yep. But if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't them thinking, how can we try to get into this sanctuary without firebending, they wouldn't have gotten as far as they did. So right. critical thinking, kids. It can save your life. Yeah, and be patient. Yeah, be patient and critical thinking. And if you combine the two... Forget it. You'll rule the world <laughs> if you can combine those two. All right. That's going to be all the time we have for this week. We'd like to take a moment to thank you again for continuing to join us through our discussion and for all the love and support that's been shown throughout the internet. Really, we do this together, so we'd love to hear from you. Who's your MVP? What's your moral of the story? If you like our podcast and want to support us, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast, as well as telling your friends. Every five-star review will be read on the show. And that's the same for anyone who tweets at us or emails us directly at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. Next time on Avatar the Podcast. Pirates! And is it really considered stealing if it's for the Avatar? All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the Podcast. Podcast. Yay! Avatar, the podcast, is a part of the Geek Generation Network. Check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.